And when you think about the historical reason, I think it's really because a lot of organizations look at it and say that if we are going to bill throughout the year, our membership fees come throughout the year. If we bill, so if you have a December year end, you know, your invoices would have gone out in October, November. By now or into January and February, you'll know how many members are renewing. Hi, everyone. Tristan McIver here, Program Advisor at AMC and PO Solutions. Today on the Strategic Nonprofit, we will be discussing financial management. I have invited Thomas Creens on the podcast today. Thomas received his CPA designation in 1987 and has always had a desire to work with not-for-profit organizations and charities. In 1991, Thomas moved to working with not-for-profit organizations specifically to assist them with their financial reporting and operational needs. In 1997, Crean's La Rose chartered professional accountants, a two partner firm located in Toronto, Canada was formed and the firm supports not-for-profits with auditing services. Their audit assignments include trade and professional organizations, churches, charities, foundations, health organizations, community organizations, not-for-profit housing organizations, and condominium corporations. Thomas is also a member of the Canadian Society of Association Executives, also known as CSAE, and has been since 1991. Uh, Welcome, Thomas, to the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast. Here at AMC, we do a lot of live webinars and virtual training for nonprofits across Canada. If you're looking for virtual governance training or strategic planning for your NPO, drop me a message and I'll be happy to go over options with you. More details are in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Excellent. Um, So you've been working with uh, not-for-profits since about 1991, and um, many organizations now are wondering what's next for next year? Um, What advice can you share uh, as a starting point and what they should be thinking about? So that's a great question. And there's so many parts of this. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I'm a a CPA and uh, by nature, I'm supposed to be critical and sort of negative, but I'm always positive about things. So I think there's, there's a lot to it. I think the biggest thing is, is don't stress where you're at. You know, I've talked to a lot of my clients in the past to say that, a lot of people are saying, you know, when are we going to get back to normal? I mean, we're sort of getting there now, but I think you should more think about, you know, how you can lead and guide your association in the environment that you're in. Um, and again, it's, I think it's the number one stress that MPOs have. They're, and they're putting through that uh, unwillingly to do that. Uh, the next thing is think about your, your core programs, because I think what uh, COVID has done is made people really reflect on what they're doing and think back to what your core programs are and say, where are you actually gonna provide value to your membership? And uh, there's always this, this term, you know, that uh, MPO shouldn't have a, a profit or surplus, but you you should be looking at that, you know, the programs that actually provide you with a profit or surplus, because it's not um, a bad thing. Uh, the other thing is there's lots of government programs that are available out there, and I'm finding that some people are aware of them, some people aren't. Uh, you should make yourself aware of that because there's great financial assistance, there's wage subsidies that are out there, there's rent subsidies, there's a business account that is out there. So, And there's something for everyone, um, and a lot of people are taking advantage of that. The other thing to think about, too, is just think about your staff and the challenge they've gone through. You know, if there's mental health challenges, people working from home, um, because they are really the drivers for your members, the people who actually bring your membership in. Um, the last thing sort of is to, is to talk to your peers because, you know, we're all working in our own environment, but there's a, a great peer network out there, other organizations going through the same thing. So you should be talking to them about how they're approaching it. 
Yeah, and I know a great um, uh, Connect is called CSAE Connect, and that's through uh, the, that website and that organization. And I've seen a lot of connections and sharing of information uh, on that platform. And I know you're a member of uh, CSAE as well, right? So it, it, it is, and that's a very good point to bring up um, because I'm a, I've been a member since 1991, I believe it is. And I was on the board for six years too. So, um, but outside of that, uh, as the membership there, I found it absolutely invaluable there, Ted, because it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, because the CSAE. So I tried to explain it to my mother once. I said, what? she says, what is that? I said, well, mom, it's the association for associations. <laughs> and she says, what the heck's that? So I explained it to her. I said, mom, it's people who are working together. So you could have, it could be different counting groups to get together and discuss problems and challenges. So you'll, you'll find, um, if you join the CSE or another membership like that, there's so many people willing to help you and get you through everything. Yeah, definitely a good resource for sure. Yeah. So I just want to ask you, so for example, say um, I'm uh, executive director of a professional uh, association organization uh, with a membership. And I know that there's been, you know, we've had to, say increase our fees um, and such. And usually it's a, a yearly, a yearly uh, membership fee. Um, what's, I know some organizations have been talking about doing a monthly um, uh, payment plan instead of the, the yearly. What, what's your, what are the pros and cons that, uh, that could be around that? So it's interesting. I have not seen a lot of organizations actually go to a monthly fee. Um, so mm -hmm. I think the first part is besides the pros and cons, it's just historical. That's what people do because they're going to send the membership fees on an annual basis. Um, but the real, the, the pros of having it done on an annual basis opposed to monthly is one, it's funny thing, it'll make your bookkeeper happier because they only have to process it once a year as opposed to monthly considering that. Um, yeah. And when you think about the historical reason, I think it's really because a lot of organizations look at it and say that if we're going to bill throughout the year, our membership fees come throughout the year. If we bill, so if you have a December year end, you know, your invoices would have gone out in October, November. Mm -hmm. By now or into January and February, you'll know how many members are renewing. I mean, you have a historical basis for it, but then you say, you know, if you have a thousand members last year and, you know, by the end of January, you've got 870 paid, then that gives you a full knowledge of how much money is going to be coming in. Because mm -hmm. on, a, on a monthly basis, you're not going to, uh, to know that. The, uh, I guess a pro for a monthly would be is going back to your member's budget to say that if you could pay for your car insurance and you can pay it month by month, it's a lot easier on your budget as opposed to having that one payment once a year. I think that's a good example because the difference is, is that you know a lot of us would say, well, I really don't want to pay for my car insurance, but I have to. So if I can pay it every month, I'll do that. Where a membership, they say, I want to be a member. So whether I pay monthly or annual, um, however I can do it, I'll absolutely do it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I pay my insurance for my car monthly. <laughs> I think we all do, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I understand, you know, especially with, um, with budgeting, uh, for the organization and knowing what the revenue is going to be, uh, it's it's I could I could see it's more um, nicer for the organization, I guess you could say, to know what's sort of coming in. But then also 
are you going to lose those members because they can't afford it? A monthly option might be better. So it's, yeah, it's something, it's, I think it's something that um, organizations are thinking about and the advice that you've given, yeah, just to take uh, real stock of that and um, possibly maybe um, ask the members what they think um, as well. So. And that's certainly a good point because you can go back to say, you know, from a financial point of view, you get all the money in at one point in time. So you can invest the money over the year to have the interest income coming from it, which isn't a lot right now. But it really is, is, you know, what do your members want? Because, you know, the terminology I always use with my MPO clients is the fact that we're always thinking this is what the members want. They want this, they want that. And when I act as a consultant, they say, you know what, you should probably ask your members what they want, because you probably are probably right. You probably know, but it may be totally different what the members are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a very very good point that you that you made there <laughs> absolutely uh you get definitely you definitely be able to guide um the organization around what they want because especially if it's a membership based because uh, it's 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 their organization too right so yeah yeah <laughs> so um in regards to reducing uh expenses uh, i know that this has been a real challenge for a lot of um, organizations and just, I guess, you know, us in general as people, um, what would you suggest is like a prioritization for um, where to go with that? Yeah, I think the question is different than it would have been a year ago, because I think uh, with COVID, which is obviously not a good thing, it's allowed us to sort of reflect and reconsider, reflect and reconsider how we're working, what we do, how we spend our money. So I think a lot of times organizations would say we have to cut costs and they would do it in a very sort of um, analytical way in doing it. I think now is the time to sort of reflect and look at the expenses and say, there may be a couple of different types of expenses you have. So um, when times are good and you know everything's working well, people are spending money and there may be discretionary expenses and associations spending on. So they may have, um, I mean, it's, it's fun to have the staff parties and bigger parties and things like that, but people have to look at it saying, you know, are you spending a bit more than you should just because times are good? So if you may look at that and say, again, talk to your staff and say, you know, it's going to be a bit of a difficult year. We should be cutting some of those expenses. And I call those discretionary nature because some have to be spent and don't have to be spent. Um, the next part is to prioritize, look at the programs. I think we talked about that before, is that if you're looking at programs that you have, um, two parts, uh, again, do the members see a value to it? And is there a surplus or a loss from it? And I find some associations run programs for years, they're losing money, but they don't really have a good membership value. So if you go back and sort of reconsider those and say, well, maybe some of these programs, we should change our focus on how we're doing them or change what we're doing now to have them uh, virtually. The last part is just to look at the general cost. Again, you know, associations and MPOs and different charities have uh, different types of expenses. But a lot of them are general nature. So if you look at the cost of your courier, general office supplies, and reflect on that and say, is there some way with still keeping the same relationship with the people we have, or perhaps a new one, is there some way we can reduce those costs down? But the I think the the worst approach is to just say we have to cut costs and to start cutting costs without real thought into what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense just to because I think I know I know a lot of organizations got very um, scared uh, and um, cutting costs, cutting jobs, and then sometimes or I've heard from some organizations that uh, you know they they cut a position, but then 
that position has to be taken over by other people and it's stressing people out, you know? So yeah, I, I agree with you. You really have to figure out where, where you need to cut and um, what's going to be best for, for your staff and for the organization. Yeah. And, and that's a good point because you get back to discretionary expenditures. So if you took a staff member and said you had to lay one or two off, uh, if it's temporary, that's temporary. But if you look at it and say, if those people are gone, you have to look at the why. So what were those people doing? You know, what uh, they're the drivers of the membership, the people working for you. So why did we cut them off? And that's when I say people just, you know, cut right away in doing it. Um, mm -hmm. But if you look at some discretionary costs that uh, you've always had and you cut them out, you say, well, we're still operating the same way we were before. So obviously we were, you know, spending money in a way that we shouldn't have been spending it. But, but staffing is always the issue because I say that, you know, that's your, going to be one of your biggest costs too. So, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just the other part we, um, is in relation to costs. So if you look at an MPO, you have wage costs and you have office costs and you have rent. And I think that's one priority that some organizations will be looking at. And it's a very difficult subject to say, should we keep our office? Should we work virtually in doing it? Right. Um, uh, some clients have gone virtually. Some associations have done that last number of years, but they did it with a purpose and intent. So mm -hmm. if you go back and look at the cost of your rent, you realize how much you're paying for it. Uh, and I think it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction to say, let's get rid of our office. Let's not have it anymore. Because again, there's a purpose for it. But looking at the organization going forward, there may be opportunities to share space. So there's some associations who are saying, you know, why don't we just, if we can, our leases are coming due, let's go rent one big space and we can have eight or nine different associations using it, uh, but use it on a temporary basis. So there's that, that way to think about it as well, because rent is a big expenditure. Yeah, absolutely. I know an organization that owned their building and they were trying to lease out, um, you know, um, sort of uh, some people wanted to work from home, which was fine, but they had to have the office. There's, you know, something you have, some places have to have ha have to have a place for people to come that they have to serve, uh, and so what they did is they decided to lease out the other spaces. So, mm. just looking outside the box, as they say, and and just being creative with with what you have. Yeah. 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 So, um, if you were to talk, if we were to talk, say about um, just a few other things through other topics, like because um, we chatted about this before uh, before our podcast. So just about um, things like your a website being user friendly, possibly more accessible, and also um, we also talked about non-member pricing versus member pricing for mm -hmm. courses and that. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So the website is. Uh interesting that there's a change the way people are thinking about it because um, um, I was around when people started to have websites, believe it or not, and there were predictions how many they're going to be in Canada. And we had a group who was actually uh, leading it in the, having websites a number of years ago. They yeah. thought there'd be about maybe 5,000 websites in Canada. So they were a little bit off. And yeah. websites... Yeah, slightly. <laughs> yeah, slightly. <laughs> so, they, uh, when the websites came out, they were basically just to, you know, show who the organization is. There's no real, like, you know, online platform for it whatsoever. It was almost like an electronic business card. And that's the way people looked at it. Yeah, like a yellow page ad. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, yeah. It's uh, the expectations of a website now are that they're very easy to use. So if you looked at websites when they started, they didn't connect properly. And interestingly enough, one of our clients, one of the people who was on the board was Ted Rogers from Rogers Communications. 
Ah. He, was, he was at a meeting years ago. I'm sitting there talking to him, and he was talking about cell phones. And he told me how cell phones going to take movies and take pictures and do all these amazing things. And this is when the cell phones were, you know, 20 pounds. It was just a phone. He had this vision for it. But I'll never forget what he said. He said, any product I make, his word was, you should just be able to take it out of the box and it works. So there's no difficulty. So I think a website is the same thing. You should just be able to go to it and it works. So if a member is coming online to renew the membership, they shouldn't have to take 10 minutes to try and find it, you know, where everything works. It should be very easy for them to do because that's the evolution of websites is people say, I go on now, I want to be on, I want to get onto the website, renew my membership, find my information and go and go back and not do it. Um, the other you know, sort of analogy is uh, one of my partners said the other day, they talked about accountants when they first started working at an organization, they were told to add up the phone book. And I said, well, you, you've dated yourself because you know, the phone, there's no phone books anymore because you've got this technology. So you think of it, a person starting out at a company, yeah. if they can find everything on their phone within a second, if they go to your website and say, I can't find this, a member's looking for something, it becomes frustrating, it's frustrating for a member. So now with, you know, more virtual things and people working the way you work, I think it's so important that you look at your website. And I know there was on the financial side, um, I'm in Toronto, the city of Toronto did have some funding for people to enhance their websites, but it was mainly for uh, retail businesses. But I would like to think in the next year, there'd be a lot more funding from the government to say, shoe associations, you know, you're the lifeblood of Canada. So if you want to have help updating your website to attract more members or keep your members, there may be some funding coming out for that. Yeah, you know, I'm guilty of, I was on a website wanting to donate, uh, went through, you know, adding everything in and they didn't have Apple Pay. Yep. And I backed out and I, I did go back later when I had more time, but donating sometimes is quite impulsive. And I, I just, I, I, ho I wish that they had more options uh, for my, for me to be able to donate. Then that way it would have been easier because I don't want to really put my credit card online, but through Apple Pay, it's a little bit safer or however, uh, I'm sure there's a Google one too. I don't know what that is, but um but yeah, so as you were saying, making it easier for even, you know, donations, mm -hmm. uh, people, uh, donors, it would uh, definitely help. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 Oh, so, um, so I just wanted to, you know, we've been talking about all like things that have gone sort of wrong. Uh, and I just wanted to highlight some of the positives of, of 2020. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you know, with, with going, having to go digital, I know that it's helped a lot of organizations say reach more people across Canada for um, services or uh, meetings, uh, reducing costs because people don't have to fly across Canada or members that live in different provinces per se. Um, but there is an additional cost, uh, you know, for web, <laughs> webby, webinar, well, not necessarily webinars, but um, like online conferences and that, and, you know, tr probably touch on that in another podcast. But uh, I just want to highlight and, and celebrate the fact that we've been so creative and resilient. Mm -hmm. And there's been, as you said earlier, a lot of reflection. And I think that's important because a lot of 
with not-for-profits, I know that there's a lot of hands-on, there's on the ground, there's doing the work right right now, and there's not a lot of things, say, maybe they needed to update their bylaws or there needed to be a, a handbook done for the, for the board, you know, sort of things get on the back burner. But I think a lot, you know, there's been a lot more reflection of what, what are we doing as a not-for-profit? Um, and just to remember to celebrate what we've accomplished. Absolutely. And, and you're right. And there's, you know, the two areas where I see where it's really done. The most important for me is it's humanized people. It made people be a bit more, uh, you know, um, human and more or less stressed out. And it's pushed technology. So the technology, mm -hmm. you think about uh, how many people hadn't used Zoom before. And they're, now they're all using it. They see how easy it is to use. And the human side is that, you know, you're on these calls and all of a sudden your dog starts barking. Well, you know, if you had that a year and a half ago, the person would go, well, what the heck are you doing? You're not, you're not working. And the other side is really interesting is you think about how you work. And when people would say, if you or I said to our boss, because I have an office, you know, I'm going to work at home on Friday, they'd go, oh, I don't really you know, think that's the right thing to do. So a lot of associations had talk and talk and thought, thought about should they work at home, should not work at home. It became a big grand discussion. And then think what happened in March. All of a sudden, within 24 hours, everyone was. And there was no playbook. There was no board discussion about it, no management discussion about it. People just did it. And I'm seeing that probably the vast majority of people working at home are very effective. You know, they'd rather be in that office environment, but that's, uh, that really showed the resilience and, uh, and the trust of people too. So in the, and the technical side with the webinars is that it's really put people in the forefront to say, you know what, we really, we really can do the webinars and um, they're doing a great job of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I just I think it's good to, you know, just highlight exactly what what we've done. And um, I'm sure a lot of people were very scared about the technology, but when you're thrown into it, there you, you can do it. <laughs> I keep telling my mom. <laughs> I'm gonna give her some work to do on scanning PDFs and emailing them because she does it yeah. once in a while, and I'm gonna do that in January for her. So. <laughs> And I, I think you're right. Once you're pushed into it, you can do it. And as I said before, I said to humanize it. So they don't always go well. And, you know, people would now would say, oh, that happened to me too. So it's, uh, it, I think the, it's great technology, but it's bringing people together because when something doesn't work well in a webinar, whether it's an AGM or a meeting, people get it. They understand it. They're not going to be saying, you know, why doesn't technology work and get frustrated with it and say, hey, you know what, we're all doing the best we can. We're all trying. Absolutely. Yeah, I know the the kid. I mean, remember the the that hilarious video way back when of that gentleman on the news. I think it's been in, in England where his kid busted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all laugh and think it's so funny. But I mean, I my kids busted in and said hi on you know on things. But uh, but yeah, it definitely humanizes and it's and we're all in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all in the same boat. So was there anything that I missed uh, that you'd like to touch on uh, for our listeners? I think there was just one, there's another topic, um, and this goes to expanding your membership base. Mm, and okay. to talk about, you know, with um, the virtual environment, it allows you to do that. So a lot of, you know, associations have talked about having, you know, member and non-member pricing. It's always been there. Mm. So I've always thought about that and said, you know, so... If I'm a non-member, I'm paying more to go to a conference. You know, why do I have to pay more? Because they're trying to attract you to become a member and doing it. But, you know, the, the non-member base virtually allows you to bring in a lot more members. So a lot of groups are saying we're trying to expand across the country. 
Well, now you can, because now someone can be sitting where you are and watching a, or attending a conference or meeting in Toronto and doing it. So I think it's a real opportunity for associations because they're always saying, you know, you know, unfortunately, the membership base has been declining a little bit. Uh, younger people don't see the value in joining associations as much as people are members now. So mm -hmm. if you allow them to see what an association can do for you. So if you get a, um, a chiropractor starting out, they may not want to join a chiropractor association. But if they go to one or two seminars and see the value, what they get out of it and see what they get for their entire career, from the day they start their career, to they retire, that resource for very little money, what they get out of it it'll certainly help them. So the association should be looking at saying that, you know, perhaps we have to look at not having a non-member pricing, just having a pricing to going to a virtual conference and doing it that way. And it's, I don't see it reducing the number of people once we get back to live conferences, going to the conferences. I see it just adding to the bottom line to your membership value. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. So you suggest, so as you were saying, you suggest possibly not having uh, the differentiation in costs, say, on on the on the site or the website. So, how would how would a member paying a membership be uh, not like feeling or yeah? Like, how could you give them the benefit back? I guess. What would you what, have you seen in any of that? Like, what yeah, the, to do there is that challenge. Um, and what I refer to is having a pricing for sort of a one pricing where it's sort of like a shopping list. So if you want to become a base member, so it's not non-member member. If you just want to be a base member and you get, you know, the base things, if you want to attend seminars, there's an additional cost unless you take that higher level of membership. So if you want to attend seminars and you'll get the magazine, another level. And then if you want to attend the conference, that's another level. So I think once someone says, I'm going to start with the lowest membership and then starts to pay for things, they see if they go to the next level because they see the value. Right. then they'll become a full member in doing it. But it's taking away that, you know, sort of that class A and class B. But I, I understand the concept that if I was a member and you're a non-member and you're paying the same as me, I'd say, well, then I'm overpaying basically, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, okay. No, that's good. Well, you know what? I, I have enjoyed this this chat with you today, Thomas. It's been very um, enlightening and I, I know that our viewers will find this um, this chat beneficial. Yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. And just that last thing, I, you know, I can't uh, stress enough about connecting to your, uh, to your local organization. So like we talked a bit about CSE, but also if you're a health organization, connecting to other health organizations, because we're all doing the same things. And, you know, prior to this, we probably wouldn't have done that because they're a bit competitive in what we do and we have our own membership base. But, you know, if you look at it and say how we're human beings and we need to connect together, it's a certainly a great way to, to help your association. But this has been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.